In this episode, Game of Thrones is back. There's a new show all about pizza. Justice League vs. Teen Titans eases our DC pains. We review Dungeon of the Endless and 10 Cloverfield Lane. And we cover the latest headlines. All this and more on The Geek Generation. Welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host, Rob Logan, joined in the studio by Mr. Paul O. I get green like Earth Day. Earth Day was just here, right? Yeah. Yeah. The new Drake album. Oh. I've been listening to it. Yeah, I would not know that. <laughs> if anything, for an Earth Day thing, I would expect a Captain Planet reference or yeah. something along those lines. It's uh, it's like a pretty kind of a big deal, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and he's kind of a corny, like he has some corny lyrics too. And that's one of them, like a green like Earth thing. Oh, okay. Some people care. Yeah, some people get. Sure, some people get it. <laughs> uh, as we get in the episode today, I just want to thank a few people first. First of all, thank you to everybody that's listening to the episode. We always appreciate you listening, but we especially appreciate those who leave iTunes reviews, especially positive ones. Those Yay. are nice. And we have a couple iTunes reviews, so I just want to highlight a few people that went onto iTunes and decided to be nice to us, which is a rarity. <laughs> so we'll take it. Uh, the first review comes from Buff Chick Calzone who says, I think you guys are fantastic, and I plan on listening to every new podcast from now on. I'm glad I found it. I appreciate how much thought is put into every episode and also the detailed opinions. Mm, I love Calzones, and I love them even more now. Yeah. The next review comes in from Radical Watcher, saying, if you are a geek and are not listening to this, you are failing yourself as a person. Listen, do it, you know you want to. Mm. I read that last part in my brain like Schwarzenegger, like, listen now, do it. You know you want to. Come on. Do Come it. on. Listen to the show. Come on. Uh, so we appreciate those iTunes reviews to those of you who wrote those in. If you are also feeling generous and you have like two minutes of free time, please head on over to iTunes and uh, the Geek Generation podcast and leave us a positive review there. Also, if you would like to email us at any time, you can do that as well. By sending an email to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com, we would love to bring back the listener mailbag segment, oh, yeah. which is something we have not done really Long that time. often at yeah. all. Uh, we used to get like two to three emails per show that we'd respond to, but people are lazy. I don't know if that's it or if they just don't care as much anymore, but we would love to hear your opinions yeah. instead of just ours all the time because prove us wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we love that. Like, you know, if you have an opinion about something, then just let us know. Like, I mean, don't write a dissertation. <laughs> right, right. Because I, I feel like we're inviting that at this point. We're Absolutely. Like, write us an email. And then it's like a wall of text. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, if you have an opinion about something and maybe you don't agree with something that we said, you know. Yeah. Know. Corrections are fine, too. I catch myself oh, making yeah. dumb mistakes all the time. Yeah. Like, so, like, I'll like I'll be sitting at my desk on a Wednesday and I'll be like. Oh, yeah, that was wrong. Yeah. Like that thing I said on, you know, Sunday or Saturday or whenever. Yeah. One time I was talking about Sansa Stark and I said Gwendolyn Christie, <laughs> which is Brienne of Tarth. Yeah. And nobody called me on it. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, wow, you guys are either not paying attention or way too nice. I don't remember that. Oh, I totally did it. I don't remember when I did it, but uh -huh. I totally did it. Oh, okay. I think it was when I was talking about who was playing Jean Grey. Oh, okay. In the uh, X-Men thing. I was like, Gwendolyn Christie. Oh, that would have been incredible. <laughs> That's Jean. Dark Phoenix right there. <laughs> uh, so let's get into the bulk of the show, starting with our geek outs. Yay! Paulo, what do you got? 
Game of Thrones is back, baby. Yeah, and I'm actually with you now. Yeah, Yeah. we're on the same page. And pretty much everybody's on the same page. Yeah. There's no more books. And so everybody's kind of at the same point story-wise. No no book readers are like, well, this thing happens. And then there's this other thing. Right, right. No, it's like now everybody's kind of like on the same speculation page. Sure. On the same page in terms of the story. It's great. Um, I'm glad that it's back. I'm also glad that Funny or Die has reprised Gay of Thrones. Now, what is this? Gay of Thrones is like a recap show that's like between like three and ten minutes long. It's this guy. Uh, it's this guy. I don't know if he works for Funny or Die or if he's an actor, but he does like a sort of gay splaining summary of okay. game of that week's episode. Okay. And he's like doing the hair of somebody in the chair who's a fan of Game of Thrones. Sometimes you know who they are. Like they might be somebody famous that's a known Game of Thrones fan. Or mm-hmm. other times it might just be, you know, like maybe a comedian or something. And like <laughs> it's just it's hilarious because like I mean it the the names that he comes up with for each of the individual characters mm-hmm. is like it's just hilarious. Like you have to watch it. It's hard to explain. Um, like for example, Peter Dinklage, like his moniker is Munch Munch. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> it's just it's super funny. Like it I they did one for like last season, or they did the the most recent one that I saw was for um I think it was for the season finale last season mm-hmm. and so they went through everything that happened uh, and it kind of served as like a refresher for the first episode of this season okay and it was like it worked it's funny because it works to like sort of refresh you on the episode but it's also kind of hilarious okay so i like that like, it, like useful I, and comedic if you follow funny or die like on social media or something they always post the link for it but or you can just go to the funny or die website and find it there Second Geek Out is just HBO in general. Mm-hmm. It's fucking killing it. Like uh, Silicon Valley this I past week. I love Silicon Valley. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, okay. Honestly, I that's one of those shows I like to let build up mm-hmm. because nobody's going to spoil anything, yeah. really. And it, it's so good because it's short, bite-sized pieces. Right. And consuming, like, most of the season in one mm-hmm. setting. I usually, I'll wait till, like, the last second to last episode and I'll binge all of that just so I'm ready for the finale. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I dare I say the first episode of this season Mm -hmm. might've been better than the first episode of game of Thrones this season. Really? I think, I mean, it did like a really good job of like bringing you back to where they were at the end of last season Mm -hmm. and how that sort of, comes to a head. I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. You seen it okay. Yet. So like how it comes to a head and how they sort of deal with it. Um, like Kumail and Martin Starr, they have like this really good scene in the episode. They're amazing together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hilarious. Like it's, it's exactly what you would think like two friends on the inside of a company would do if they were feeling the way that these characters are feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I thought it was great. Um, That's easily one of the best shows on TV. Yeah. In like, my I, opinion. I think it's probably the best, like, comedy on TV right now. Yeah. And, like, just, I mean, the upcoming program schedule for HBO, like, it, there's almost no excuse not to have HBO now, especially if you like, like, comedies and dramas and that sort of, like, adult programming that, you know, not porn, but... Sure. You know, like, <laughs> like, the adult style of programming that HBO provides. Yeah. Like, um, there's the new uh, Bill Simmons show that I've talked about, sports-related, called Any Given Wednesday. And it's odd because it's, like, you expect something to be that comes out weekly 
to be maybe like on a Sunday or a Monday, mm. you know, just, but it just like drops in the middle of the week. And uh, well, maybe that's the smart thing then. Yeah. While all those other weekly shows are kind of doing it on the weekend, you yeah. drop midweek and all of a sudden you're the only one doing it. Absolutely. And I think with his style that and like what he's done on the podcast so far and what he's doing with like uh, like his uh, sort of the ringer which is like his website okay um they, they they cover sports but they also cover like pop culture stuff uh if you follow channel 33 on itunes or the bill simmons podcast on uh itunes or stitcher or wherever they talk about just about everything from like politics they have a, like a politics segment uh sports uh they talk about entertainment game of thrones uh, the ringer staff is very diverse. Mm-hmm. And so I anticipate that any given Wednesday is going to be equally diverse cool. in terms of the subject material. Like there's definitely going to be, I think like a wrestling segment. Cause they always talk about wrestling. Yeah. In the show. Um, they have like a specific, like a writer, like a beat writer for wrestling. And so there's probably going to be a segment for that. I mean, they talk about game of Thrones a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of other shows. I mean, they do kind of like some stuff that maybe necessarily wouldn't necessarily like cater to the interests of the people who maybe listen to this podcast. Like they talk about like Hollywood gossip sometimes. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of like they're, they're developing this sort of network of subject matter that they're like branching out into and sure, growing sure. into. So like, I think it's smart for them like as a business, but it's also smart for them as like a media company. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, there's a new, show coming out in the summer vice principles uh, i've seen the trailer yeah. yeah yeah um danny mcbride and the guy from walton goggins walton goggins yeah like um weirdest name ever <laughs> yeah i just remember him as the the guy from justified like the villain from yeah, Justified. yeah um but the show looks great uh it's kind of like it's a very Danny McBride show. Yeah, it is. Except set in like, you know, uh, the, in a, like, I don't know, high school or middle school or something. Like, I think it's a high school. Yeah. Like he's, I mean, basically he's a vice principal and I think somebody else comes in to, and like, they have two vice principals because yeah. some schools do. It's big enough to support that. Yeah. But I think they're fighting for the principal job, right? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. And it's just, you know, it's like that sort of comedy that like if you liked, Anything that Danny McBride has done, then, you know, this will probably be in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. Uh, the new season of Ballers is coming up. Which I feel like I have to watch because of the rule. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have to because it's The Rock. And this is the most <laughs> rock show. Like, Is it? I, like, it kind of is because, I mean, it, it, like, reflects back on his sports background. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like so big in personality like in scope of like just being like this giant flashy show of like i mean it's like the rock of the wrestler not dwayne johnson the actor sure, sure. in terms of a show so i'm looking forward to it i like that world of like sports and sports entertainment and also like money management like that sort of like you know life porn so to speak sure. you know like that high life how many episodes are they doing per season i have no idea oh, okay like it's I think it's um it's on the same scale as Silicon Valley. So Okay, so probably ten to twelve. Ten to twelve. Yeah. That sounds about right. That's manageable. Yeah. And uh now HBO is also an app on Xbox through HBO Go. Oh yeah, that's right. Previously they didn't they didn't exist on Xbox and so it kind of gives you another excuse to cut the cord, you know, so to speak. Like if you didn't have a way to somehow stream it to your TV before and you have an Xbox one, now you do. So it's like, <laughs> now I have even less incentive to keep with, like keep up with Comcast. Right. Right. 
But um, uh, yeah, so HBO in general. We sport cord cutting here more than the delivery wing at a hospital does. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut those cords, folks. Absolutely. And I mean, they, God, they got Sesame Street too. They're like covering all their bases. Like they literally being like, forget about these other guys. Come to HBO. Right. And I mean, it's fourteen ninety nine a month now. I think I might have to. Um, Third Geek Out is a show on YouTube on the Munchies channel, which is like an affiliate of Vice. You love um, your Vice. Yeah, I love Vice. <laughs> I love the, the programming that they put together. Um, it's called The Pizza Show. It's uh, it's the most basic name ever and the most yeah. basic subject matter ever. Yeah. Um, but it's good. I Actually, I watched the first episode. Yeah, so yeah. it follows Frank Pinello. He's uh, the current generation owner of uh, Best Pizza in Brooklyn. He's kind of like an I don't know if he's up and coming or if he's already made it mm-hmm. into like the sort of like pizza aficionado hall of fame. Like his, like he's very good at what he does and everybody loves his pizza. Okay. He's very popular even amongst like normal people, not just like food hipsters or like foodies, you know? Even if he's just up and coming, he definitely knows his stuff. Yeah. He's been doing it like his entire life. Yeah. Like it's, pizza is his life. And he like, for somebody who makes pizza all the time and eats pizza all the time, he you can see how much he loves it like just by watching him like eat or like visit these people or talk to them sure, about their sure. craft you know the first episode was about uh new york city so obviously there's going to be like a lot of landmarks that he visits right specifically um, brooklyn right he goes he stays mostly in brooklyn um the second episode he goes up which just came out recently he goes up to new haven and if you're from like the new england area you kind of know like new haven pizza or a beats as it's called mm-hmm. as sort of like its own thing uh it doesn't necessarily follow the rules of like new york pizza and um you know like the white clam pizza for example is very popular and i i, I just had some like uh earlier this year it's it's like i hate clams because like not hate clams, but okay. So here's the story. So like I don't hate clams. I dislike them because ever since I came to New England to live, I've been going fishing during the summer, and they use clams as bait. Mm-hmm. And oh, if, okay. And if you've ever like smelled your hands at the end of a day after handling yeah, yeah. clam bait, it's just <laughs> I hate clams just because there's nothing appetizing about them whatsoever. I mean, I like them because I like the sometimes I like the flavor because it's like very briny, very oceany. It reminds me of like just being at the beach or being near the ocean, but just the smell of like raw clam on mm-hmm. your hands after like a day. <laughs> it it's just like the worst. And so like it kind of turned me off to it. So like the idea of putting clams on a pizza right. and then heating it. Yeah. No. No. Right? Yeah, yeah. But it's actually not bad. Like um I went to uh this place um Frank Peppy's. Uh they just opened up a new spot in uh like in Massachusetts. Okay. And I went and they I had it because they're well known for it. And it was so weird like the first piece i ate i was like Meh. second piece i ate i was like mm, i guess <laughs> i just kept eating it and by the time i like by the time the pizza was gone i was like i ate most of that pizza That's oh wow fucking weird yeah anyway <laughs> so the pizza show it's on youtube go watch it support munchies they do a lot of like good food programming so it's a great show it's put together really well uh the host is finding his way yeah. he's the potential's there he's not where he should necessarily be as a yeah. tv host but he's definitely getting there but the biggest problem for me is just seeing all the pizza and uh-huh. being like, oh, oh, I want pizza so much yeah. right now. Yeah. It's like, it, it, I mean, it just drops pizza on you from the beginning. Yeah. It's just yeah. Like nonstop. But, uh, yeah. So definitely go check that out. 
The new anime season has just kind of kicked off, and my last geek out is about a couple of anime that are currently airing in Japan, but you can find them here through Crunchyroll or actually Hulu or through the internet somehow. Uh, the first one is My Hero Academia. This one's kind of cool. Uh, it's about a kid who lives in this world where uh, superpowers or quirks, so mm-hmm. to speak, are commonplace. Okay. They used to not exist, but then somebody was born with one one day, and then eventually almost everybody had them. I want to live there. Yeah, everybody wants to live there. It's fucking amazing. And the the, the story is of this kid who was born without a, a superpower or a quirk, is what they call it, a mm-hmm. quirk. Uh, he was born without a quirk, and the doctor told him that he would never develop a quirk. Hmm. The funniest thing is that he's such a book nerd about superheroes that, like, he knows everything about every superhero's quirk. And, like, he knows everything about all the popular superheroes. So he's the one person who should have one. He's, like, a geek for superheroes in this world. Like, he's very much – like, he takes notes. He, like, writes them down for the future. Like, even though there's no hope of him ever becoming a superhero, he's still this person. And, like, Hmm. he – without spoiling the story too much, like, he – ends up going into training and then going to a special school for superheroes. Okay. So because he's still in middle school and I think he's going into high school and high school is where people learn about their quirks and develop them and become superheroes. And so it's definitely, I think it's going to be one of the better shows this season. You should definitely check it out. It's very entry level for in terms of anime. Um, The art style is a little, it's a little kitty. It's not like, super intense like attack on titan okay like art style but well, it's it sounds very, like something like that should be a little more fun than yeah serious it's cartoony but yeah. it's also like it's also very action oriented because obviously superheroes right, right right and so um definitely check it out the second one is um ko tetsujo no kabaneri it's like kabaneri of the iron fortress okay these this 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 is same kabaneri still does not clarify it for me right <laughs> Uh, it's uh this is from the same studio that made attack on titan okay so this will fill that attack on titan void in your heart if you had it it's a it's kind of it it's somewhere between like attack on titan and snowpiercer like it's like this weird story where like there are zombies in this world Mm -hmm. and the zombies have just overrun the entire country okay so to speak and this country is made up of like these multitude of state train stations, which are just giant towns mm-hmm. that are fortified with walls and to protect them from the zombies. Okay. And um, the train, there are, there's more than one train, but it's about the specific train that is carrying us, uh, is carrying special cargo. And without spoiling too much of the story, it follows a couple of different characters who end up having to abandon their town and ride this train on their journey to wherever they're going. They okay. don't really specify where they're going. The zombies in this are, they follow different rules than, you know, what like your typical walking deads and do they sparkle? Um, no, they do not sparkle, <laughs> oh. but they glow. Oh, okay. um, they have like the, like you, the, the, the sort of how you become a zombie is like kind of typical. You be, get bitten and the virus spreads to your body and, as long as it, it's weird, as long as it doesn't pass your neck somehow, like if you're able to stop the virus from passing into your head through mm-hmm. your neck, then you won't turn. So they're really putting emphasis on the brain. I guess. Possibly. But. Okay. That's not how you kill the zombies. Oh. You kill zombies by puncturing their heart. 
which is this glowing mass of organs that so like, one would think that's the turning organ but it's not but that's the that's the kill point but this is the but the head is that's the, strange yeah it's very complicated it's only two episodes in so okay they, have, they haven't gone through a whole lot sure but you definitely have like the the puncturing the the heart cage is like the challenge <laughs> okay like apparently and you mean like, the ribs <laughs> the, the ribs. heart cage yeah <laughs> but it's like weird because it's like you see the heart and then like the heart is like outside of the body surrounded oh. by this like really hard cage huh like, i don't know how to describe it but so it's um, it's visual like, yeah okay weird so uh it's i mean i think this is gonna be like the one that you're gonna see at all the cons is for cosplays i definitely think people are going to dress up as this um and everybody's gonna be talking about it this season so definitely check it out i don't know if it's available on crunchyroll but i think it's like a uh amazon or hulu exclusive at hmm. least this season so if you have hulu check it out Cool. That's it. All right. Uh, my first geek out is well. Okay. So <laughs> I've I've made I've advertised my love of Gilmore Girls right. on the show many right. many times. Uh, and one of the things that I was most bummed about is that on the revival that they're doing, they're doing the four new uh, movies mm-hmm. for Netflix, like four ninety minute episodes i guess they are but they're like mini movies essentially right uh and one of the things that was missing even though the rest of the cast is returning is that melissa mccarthy's schedule was too busy or then at one point she was like well i wasn't asked to return Mm. and to me melissa mccarthy will always be sookie st james Mm -hmm. uh lorelei's friend and neighbor and she's wonderful on the show she's very different than the melissa mccarthy we know now Mm -hmm. but that's how i was first introduced to her as an actress so it is, uh, it was exciting to think that she would be back in the role. Yeah. This week, however, it was, it might have been last week or something recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was on the Ellen show where she made an announcement that I will play for you. There has been something that I've been asked about so, so many times and it hasn't worked out. And there is, uh, they're making four new movies of the Gilmore Girls, which is a show which was near and dear to my heart for four years. And we could not get those schedules to work. And, there was a whole thing and then I was going to be out of the country and blah, blah, blah. And literally about an hour and a half ago, we figured out that I am going to go back and do it. And I am so excited. And they're going to be, they're going to be amazing. That's great. Amy Sherman Palladino is going to squeeze me in to do it. And I'm, I'm very happy to go back to Sarah's Hollow. And I just, uh, it's that, that, oh my gosh. There's me and Lauren. Um, I'm just really excited about that. So it just happened. I got asked a lot about it. And as of not even two hours ago, it's happening. So because I'm a 14-year-old girl on the inside, I'm excited. <laughs> that Sookie's going to be back on Gilmore Girls. Listeners are not privy to this, but uh, <laughs> if you're in the stream, you saw Rob kind of sort of fangirl the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> fangirl being the accurate yeah, yeah. yeah denomination there. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Melissa McCarthy is returning to Gilmore Girls. I am excited for those four mini movies whenever they do happen. Um, my next geek out is that AMC has announced that it has officially renewed Into the Badlands for a 10-episode second season, which will premiere on AMC in 2017. Very nice. Yes. So uh, there's some good stuff about that. There's some not good stuff about that. First season was six episodes. Mm-hmm. So the second season, they're committing to 10, which means it must be doing pretty well. Yep. That's good to see. Uh, the bummer being that we're not going to get new episodes until 2017. Mm. So no new Into the Badlands this year. Ah, I'm okay with it as long as it happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, there wasn't 
like the story wasn't super in depth. Mm. Like there wasn't a whole lot to remember. So, you know, going back to it, you know, right before it comes out in 2017, shouldn't be too big of an issue. Yeah. I do worry that it may lose a little bit of steam going into 2017. Sure. I mean, when you take a whole year off like that, it's like you, I mean, unless the people are actively talking about it all the time, you kind of lose a little bit of that uh, head of steam that you had going into it or coming out of it. Sure, sure. But I mean, I'm happy to get more. My biggest concern is that there's a few characters that are either older teenagers Mm -hmm. or young adults, and they're just going to (laughs) get unrecognizably older by the time that the uh, series comes around. Well, I mean, Game of Thrones does that, too. I mean, they have two characters, arguably, that... You know, we didn't care about before, but maybe we care a little bit about more now. Sure. Um, you know, and they were very young and between like the one the the one season that they were sort of off on vacation, so yeah, to speak, yeah. in the story, like they definitely did change a whole lot. Oh yeah. Brand's so, balls dropped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he got real tall. Yeah. 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 Big change. And we still haven't seen him in a while yeah. so it's gonna be interesting when he finally shows up yeah so i mean i guess there, there will be a way to deal with it somehow maybe time jump or yeah something uh my next geek out is justice league versus teen titans which i maintain is the best movie put out by dc comics uh with the word verse in or implied in the title this year mm-hmm. uh if 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 there's a hole in your heart uh, that Batman v Superman did not fill, Justice League versus Teen Titans might. Uh-huh. This was a wonderful movie. Uh, the The animated DC movies have been hit or miss recently. My biggest gripe with them, and it remains with this movie as well, is that Batman's voice is just not very good. Aside from that, the biggest appeal, I think, of this movie, even though it headlines with Justice League versus Teen Titans, is that this is a movie about the Teen Titans. And we really, aside from, I mean, we had the Teen Titans series originally. We have Teen Titans Go Now, which has nothing to do with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was Young Justice for a couple seasons, which highlighted a version of the Teen Titans. And we haven't really gotten an animated movie of them until now. It's a different mix for the Titans as Mm -hmm. well. So Starfire's in command of the Titans. uh, And this is the first time we've ever seen Damian Wayne as the Robin Mm -hmm. in this group as well. Plus, we have the uh, Jaime Reyes version of Blue Beetle. I think they all had a nice mix Mm -hmm. going in. They even found a way to connect Cyborg in a way, which was nice. Mm -hmm. But just getting a movie with different characters for a change Mm -hmm. was nice because almost every DC movie is either Justice League, Batman, or Superman. Mm -hmm. They really just deal with those three major categories. So the fact that this movie is largely Teen Titans is awesome. Yeah, and I liked it. I just, I I like Blue Beetle. Um, I I realize that it's hard to integrate him into some sort of like, you know, movie cinematic universe, Mm -hmm. so to speak. But, you know, I I enjoy Blue Beetle. Um, I liked him in Young Justice, and I like how this was kind of like a... If you liked Teen Titans and if you liked Young Justice, you will love this movie because it was like, you know, I mean, obviously the Teen Titans are not the most powerful characters in the DC Comics universe, mm-hmm. but they were forced to deal with the most powerful characters in right, the DC Comics right. universe. So um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I thought it was a little weird that Starfire was the leader. I'm sort of used to having her in the team. Right, right. Um, but She was like the older one out of all of them, so she had the most experience. At yeah. least it seemed that way. Yeah. I did love it. Had, this movie had one of the funniest 
bits in a DC movie that I've seen in a while. The whole bit with uh, Starfire on the webcam with Dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was yeah. hilarious. Yeah. That was really funny. Blue balls night. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, and speaking of DC animated movies, my last geek out is Batman the Killing Joke. We know it's been on the way for yeah. a while now, uh, but there's a few announcements about it. For one, I saw the uh, 12-minute kind of intro. They always do a preview on the DVD yeah. leading up to the next one and the information on the Killing Joke was great. Mm-hmm. The fact that Bruce Tim is so heavily involved, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill being back as the voices. Mm-hmm. They're doing so many things right with this. Uh, and there was also a recent announcement that the upcoming animated adaptation of Batman the Killing Joke has officially been given an R rating by the MPAA. Yep. Sam Register, president of WB Animation and Warner Digital Series, said in regards to the rating, quote, from the start of production, we encourage producer Bruce Tim and our team at Warner Brothers Animation to remain faithful to the original story, regardless of the eventual MPAA rating. The Killing Joke is revered by the fans, particularly for its blunt, often shocking adult themes and situations. We felt it was our responsibility to present our core audience, the comics-loving community, with an animated film that authentically represented the tale they know all too well. Expected to debut later this year, the movie will also feature a 15-minute prologue that helps set up the story, giving even longtime fans something new to look forward to. So they are going to focus more on Batgirl at mm-hmm. the beginning of the story so that we're really starting to sympathize and uh, understand her character yeah. because of events that take place in right. The Killing Joke that most people know about at this point. But uh, that's nice. That I mean, they had to expand the book a little bit somehow. Yeah. And I remember reading somewhere earlier this week or last week that the how they deal with Batgirl is going to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily going to be she gets sexually assaulted by the Joker. Right. But it's going to be equally as fucked up. Yeah. Um, I can appreciate that, especially like in a movie or like, you know, in a movie sense, because, you know, it is sort of like a touchy subject. Sure. I mean, it's sure. Not, it's. It, you know, it can be a trigger for some people. And it's so. not really necessary. Yeah. Like, it can also be sort of implied almost even. Absolutely. Or, you know, she could just get severely beaten, which is very par for the course for, like, a Batman animated movie. Yep. And it would be just as bad. So, And for those keeping score, uh, all these DC animated movies have been PG-13. Yeah. This is the first time we're going to see an R-rated one. I don't think that is at all a reflection of, like, Deadpool success no. or anything. They've been talking about this for a while, yeah. so it was always a possibility. Like this story has been out for almost like twenty years. Oh yeah, now. So yeah. It's like you know, the idea of ad- adapting it to like an animated series or a movie mm-hmm. has been on the table for like at least you know the last like eighteen years. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe even since the comic came out, I'm not sure. But uh, and it's hard to deal with it, especially in light of you know it being an animated movie. Mm-hmm. Like people expect they they equate animated with anything under a PG-13 rating because they right, right. animated with like for children. Absolutely. But I mean, I think we've come pretty far since the story debuted. So uh, for it to be rated R, I think will be a good way to tell the story in a way that's like true to the material. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to it. My only uh, fear is, I don't know if you watched the trailer, but there was something about the animation that felt either lazy or just not smooth. It felt mm. choppier than a lot of stuff. And I'm I'm hoping that's just a result of the trailer. Yeah, it felt like the the 
the drawing style felt a little bit more basic mm-hmm. than, you know. Well, the drawing style looks a little bit more like Bruce Timm's style kind of mixed yeah. with the art that you see in The Killing Joke. But the thing about, like, Bruce Timm's artwork in, like, for example, like, the animated series was, like, it's very angular, mm-hmm. you know? Like, the lines are very defined. In this one, it was, like, they sort of tried to round it out a little bit, which kind of turned me off, especially, like, with Batman. Like, Yeah, his was, ears like, look a little strange. Yeah, it was, like, they were maybe a little long or, like, his shoulders right, were right. a little round. Like, it's, it, it's so nitpicky. It is. I mean, honestly. Like, That's what we're here for, though. <laughs> give less of a shit about it. But, <laughs> like, it's just you see it and you're like, ah, uh, ah, uh, Okay. But it is still kind of there in the back of your yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see how the uh, the final animation is. Um, oh, and then I do actually have a, a last geek out that I almost forgot about. Um, I recently started watching House of Lies. I don't know if uh, you've seen this. Yes, I have. Okay. Uh, <laughs> are you are you totally caught up? I This season I am behind. I just saw episode oh, okay. one. I am. I've watched the first two seasons so far. Okay. I didn't realize. Like, it's a show that looked interesting to me the whole time. Mm-hmm. I love Don Cheadle. I obviously love Kristen Bell. We'll talk a little bit more about that <laughs> on a future episode. I don't think we have time today to get into that full story. Uh, good story coming your way, guys. By yeah. the way. <laughs> but the I didn't realize the show was like half hour yeah. bites. Like it's it's a lot shorter. Than, I thought it would be a full hour drama and it was yeah. going to take me forever to watch and catch uh-huh. up. But it's pretty quick consuming. Yeah. And it moves quickly. It's kind of like Silicon Valley. That way they pack a lot into like a 30 minute episode and it moves pretty quickly. And I like the idea of having the business as sort of an afterthought mm-hmm. and having it be more about the human interaction. Because if they made, if they brought the business more to the forefront, I could give less of a shit because that's like the, that's exactly the kind of business that like you tell your friends what you do and they're yeah. like, uh, okay. Like, you know, yeah, it's yeah. a very like Chandler Bing sort of thing. Like you kind of don't know what he does, but you know that he's your friend sort of thing. But yeah. Yeah. And they very much, at the beginning of the show, when they do that kind of intro spiel, mm. he he plays on that. He's like, oh, if you still don't know what I do, then, hey, a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you're not really supposed to know. It's such a weird business. But yeah. I mean, they are doing something yeah. because they need to be making the company more money. But at the same time, a lot of a lot of the time they're doing it in a very devious, underhanded way, yeah. even if they're knocking the company down just to pick them back up yeah so i mean it's the that show it lets don Cheadle be don Cheadle. i think yeah um, i don't know him personally obviously i don't know what he's like as a person but yeah as marty khan he is pretty great yeah i enjoy it and uh, i don't know if you noticed i'm sure you did at some point that his brother is named malcolm and they even make a reference yeah. to his namesake so his brother's named after Malcolm X, while Marty's named after Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Very interesting kind of side tidbit. Yeah. Um, uh, House of Lies is on Showtime for those that want to check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they have it on demand and all their stuff. It might be the first Showtime I've watched since, like, Dexter. Yeah. There's not, not a ton of stuff that I watch on Showtime. Yeah, they don't put out a whole lot of, uh, like, original programming. But yeah. House of Lies is up there. Yeah, good show. Uh, let's go into our freakouts. Oh, freak out. All right. So I finally finished Daredevil season two, like <laughs> not like super recently, but within the last month. Yeah. Um. So I finally finished it and I have thoughts. You um, have thoughts. Yeah. Have well, thoughts. it scares me because it's in the freak out category. Yeah. I for the most part, the show is great. OK. Um. I enjoyed it. I won't 
like try to play up my little freak out about it being like, oh, the show sucks. It's terrible compared to season one or whatever. Mm-hmm. But compared to season one, I thought it was a little weaker. Okay. Um, I kind of didn't enjoy the the idea of integrating Electra, Punisher, and then for some reason throwing in the Kingpin halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. Like um, spoilers, minor spoilers, if anybody's listening and hasn't watched it yet. But it's like it felt very ADHD. They're like, okay, first it's Punisher, now now it's Electra, now it's the Kingpin, back to Punisher, back to Electra, and they keep ba- they kept bouncing back and forth. Sure, sure. And I thought one of the strong points of season one was that the Kingpin was such a overwhelming villain that it it even sort of bled into the storytelling mm. that he had to take up the entirety of a, a season of Daredevil because. He is that big of a character. Right. Both literally and figuratively. Right. (laughs) And I was hoping that that would be sort of like what would happen with the Punisher. Like I knew going in that like the Punisher and Elektra were going to be involved in this season. But I was hoping that like the Punisher would be in a bigger role Mm -hmm. and not be sort of, I don't know if reduced is the right word, but sort of taking a back seat yeah. halfway through the season. He was the headlining new character. Yeah. And yet I think like four or five episodes in, there was an event which kind of took him out of the main story for quite a while. Right. And he did resurface, but not he wasn't like the the person we thought he would be. Like I thought the majority of the season would be the ideological struggle between the way Punisher gets things done yeah. and the way Daredevil gets things done. It, they were also potentially exploring the same things as Batman v Superman. Right. And also kind of gave up on it. Yeah. Like it was like I, I didn't like how they sort of stripped everything that made the Punisher the Punisher mm-hmm. like three episodes into the season. Right. And then you're left with like John Barenthal like for, you know, however many episodes. Yeah. And then finally getting the Punisher at the end. Like I I would have enjoyed it maybe more if if the Punisher was the only sort of other character so to speak because mm-hmm. he's not a villain but you know the right the anti-hero. anti-hero sure right i didn't one of the things i didn't really like is how they left things sort of hanging and i hope that they revisit it later but like that giant hole mm. spoilers minor spoilers again um but again it's you're just saying a giant hole it's yeah. not super specific it could be a vagina yeah um, <laughs> there's a giant there's this giant hole that they never address mm. they do like for maybe 20 minutes into the the episode after they show it yeah and then it's just like this giant hole is it's there. a bit of a plot thread just kind of hanging there it's a plot hole if hey. you will hey come on but you know it's like this giant hole and they and they like make it a point to like spend at least five minutes discovering how deep this thing is. Right. And, and then they don't revisit it. Like it's obviously important. It's like they, it, it's, it's story goes all the way back to season one mm-hmm. where, you know, the Yakuza is like, well, we need this specific building. Right. This is what we want out right. of our deal. And that's what they did with it. They, you know, dug this giant hole, but why, what is it for? Does it relate somehow to, you know, black sky? Like, what is the hole for? Like, why is it that? Like, and that just kept like it was in the back of my mind, and I kept thinking about it throughout the the entirety of the rest of the season after we saw it. And I was like, why did they not go back to that? Like, it's such a huge deal. At least like give me like or bait me for next season with like, does something come out of the hole? Does right, something go right, in it? Right. You know, does you know do they find something in it? Like, what is the deal with that? Sure, it could be something they go back to in the future, but. 
At the same time, it's also strange because there's no way Daredevil season three is going to come before the Defenders series because mm-hmm. I believe they're already like filming. Yeah. Or are very close to. They've well, set the the filming time. They've set everything up. I don't know if they started filming it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what's with that giant hole, you know? Is this going to somehow bleed into Infinity War? Like, what is going on? And that's kind of like my third gripe, too, is that this is a shared universe. Mm-hmm. That Daredevil shares a universe with the Avengers. Right. Right? And Daredevil, Daredevil's problems seem so minor. Yeah. When you think about how this shares a universe with the Avengers or with anything else that's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. it seems so small. Like, Iron Man could literally spend one afternoon, come down to Hell's Kitchen and be yeah. like, let me help you out. Right. What are your problems? Right, right. Kingpin, I got more money than him. We'll figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Yakuza and, and the, the Hand, I got that too. Like, here, borrow a suit. Right. Like, here's right. – Iron Man or Iron Devil Mark One, like you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, I I made this like in, on a Sunday afternoon or whatever. I mean, yeah. any one of these here, like Hawkeye could come down and be like, "I got you." Like, let me figure this out. Sure, you know. And it's just like the fact that they share this universe and they make Hell's Kitchen so big mm-hmm. in the series, but it's such a small area. It is. It is. And like it, like the contrast between how they deal with it in the series. And how it relates to the overall picture of mm-hmm. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It just sort of like every time the story got to a point where I was deeply engrossed, I would always just think like fucking Thor could literally just come down <laughs> and figure this shit out. Yeah, but I think that's a similar problem with any expanded universe that you have, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to comic books. But it's it's not unlike the comic books. Like you're still if you're reading a Daredevil story in the comics. Somehow you accept that, yeah. oh, well, anyone could come and save them, but we have to assume they're dealing with bigger problems. Yeah. And that's why they're not here. And Daredevil's a street level hero. So just because his problems are so minor and so small doesn't necessarily make them any less important than these major threats because mm-hmm. it's still threatening the lives of innocent people around him. Yeah. So from it's just the scale of what you're looking for. So, yeah, could Thor come down and like solve all the problems in five minutes? Yeah. Very possibly. But it's not good storytelling. <laughs> but I'm also worried about how, like, Daredevil is going to fit into, like, Infinity War. Because I think the Defenders are going to be a part of that sure. universe, right? So how are they going to fit? Like, are they just basically going to be, like, like the Red Cross of Hell's Kitchen? Like, are they just going to, like, shuttle people to safety? Like, what are they going to do yeah. that is going to Well, honestly, I don't think he's going to fit in any differently than someone like Hawkeye does. I don't think Hawkeye is any more wonderful than daredevil i think he's still even less than daredevil when it comes to just one verse one not Mm -hmm. saying they're battling each other and who's going to win right but daredevil is more uh adept at being a hero and what he can accomplish and what he can do Mm -hmm. than someone like hawkeye yeah hawkeye uh, fits into the team well and i think daredevil is the kind of the same thing you're not going to leave daredevil on his own to fend for himself he's either going to be with the defenders Mm -hmm. who are formidable as a team even if individually they're not up to the mm-hmm. strength of the Avengers, or they're going to be like the arm of the Avengers. Like they're just going to be an added appendage to do additional damage. Yeah. And that's fine with me. I'm, I'm curious to see how it all fits together. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah. So they're, they're like minor gripes. I mean, I'm not like going to stop watching daredevil because these things got to me, but it was just kind of in the back of my mind. Like sure. I sure. Couldn't sort of just fully enjoy the series and watch it. Without yeah. Like 
thinking about these things. Like it's not like we have over analytical brains or anything, yeah, you know. <laughs> you know. And fucking Iron Daredevil would be fucking sweet. It would be. Like like what if like he got like he gets like something from the guy, you know, that that makes his suits mm-hmm. and then like he got like a special little something. Yeah. He's like, this is just for emergencies or whatever. And then like he like pulls a lever and he's sweet. Iron Devil and he has like some sort of sonic thing where it increases all of his uh extra sense reading yeah. ability so now he's like sensing things like across the street or like miles away and or he has like the baton that comes back to him somehow yeah that'd be sweet <laughs> uh my second freak out and this is a fucking minefield as far as i know but uh <laughs> the ghost in the shell casting yeah and the drama the fallout of it yep I'll, I'll just say this i i like you can say that you know like the 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 news of the Japanese studio didn't expect a Japanese actress to portray this person or an Asian actress to portray this person. Like you can bring all that up. Um, I mean, I can respond to that in kind. I, I know exactly how I respond to that. But just for from my perspective, like the idea that that a Asian American actress or an Asian actress wouldn't be a big enough draw for a movie is not a good enough excuse to allow it to happen mm-hmm. you know like people were saying oh it's the business of movie making or movie making is a business like scarlett johansson is an obvious draw she's like a leading actress or mm-hmm. whatever but the idea that you can't cast an asian american or an asian woman in this role because she wouldn't be a big enough draw is sort of an excuse or like a cop-out to me like just don't make the movie then make something else mm-hmm. you know like you don't have to make a ghost in the shell movie I, I mean, I think people were pretty satisfied with the animated series that, that were coming out, but, um, or the, just the original movie. It just feels like a cop out to me that it's like, oh, this, it, it wouldn't make any money this way. It's like, well, then tell another story, you know? Like, yeah. Find something else to focus your attention on. I think um, it's just the, the state that Hollywood's in right now. There's, there's two things at play here that I think are doing it. One, they see the ghost in the shell as a recognizable property mm-hmm. and they see money there. And then they go, Let's let's get out our movie algorithm mm-hmm. that we have that says this plus this equals this. Mm-hmm. And they get recognizable property versus uh, one of the few kind of women in Hollywood that actually sells yeah. money based on their name. And they put them together and they go double money. Yeah. And don't even think about it any more than that. And I agree with you that they should be thinking about it more than that. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree that it should be uh, an Asian actress in the role. I understand why they're doing it. I don't mm. agree with why they're doing it, yeah. but I do understand it. Like, it just, I don't know. Like, it's such a complex issue. Like, I mean, I've read so much about it. I mean, it's still sort of going on. I mean, the idea that, like, an Asian movie star wouldn't make as much money as, you know, a leading person in Hollywood currently. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, then why are you using source material that is asian in origin mm-hmm. like won't people just sort of dismiss it as like weird or other culture doesn't matter to me sort of thing yeah and then just not see it anyway like would it matter now like, is this is the other question so is i guess this would probably be the defining thing for me is the entire movie quote-unquote whitewashed or is it like she's the lead and then all the supporting cast are asian i don't know like i don't even know like, I think they were like, you know, that whole thing about using the software to like yellow face the actors or something. I saw that, too. That sounds yeah. abysmal. Yeah. I think that was meant for 
the supporting cast okay or maybe other people in the movie and so it doesn't lead me to believe that they are um but i mean the funny thing is the like um major kusanagi's sort of right hand character mm-hmm. that dude's white yeah like it's like the literally the person to her right is a white person that you could like if they're taking the movie and they're changing the locale of it yeah then it might make a so bit many other sense. things have done that mm-hmm. that it's almost something you can't really argue against. Yeah, like uh, they do it in the reverse all the time too. They'll take things that are uh, North American stories and they'll convert them for a foreign mm-hmm. market, and they're just they're borrowing the concept and the name, mm-hmm. and then they're changing everything else. And we've seen Hollywood do this a thousand times. Yeah. It is a little weird to me that this is the one blowing up. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because when you look at uh, representation in Hollywood at the moment. Mm-hmm. Asians are the ones that are being way misunderrepresented. Mm-hmm. So I can see why they would get sensitive, especially about a property like this that's yeah. so big to their market mm-hmm. that, yeah, it would be like extra sensitive for sure. Yeah, it's sort of I mean, it's it's hard to discuss. I mean, there are valid points kind of on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like the idea that people sort of excuse it as an involuntary reaction or an involuntary action by casting somebody like that. Like I have nothing against Scarlett Johansson, but by saying that you need to cast her to make the story marketable or to make the movie profitable. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that's an excuse first of all. And it's a, it's a, a voluntary intentful action. Like it's not like involuntary, like, involuntarily like throw up or something sure sure it's like you thought about it and you made a decision and it was a decision that cast aside a certain part of the viewing public or the population that you're sort of catering to so by saying that it's this sort of well that's the business of it is sort of excusing it as an involuntary reaction to Mm -hmm. some outside force but in fact it's very intentional and yet at the same time they might be right yeah I mean, it's to say that, you know, the the general public is not going to see a movie starring, you know, the girl from Pacific Rim, for right, example. Right, right, Is, you know, it might actually be, you know, accurate compared to like Scarlett Johansson. I think this is a well-known enough property. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's a well-known enough property where they could sell on the property and then use the opportunity to elevate a new actress. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I mean, it's kind of like it's like when you think about big anime movies from that time period, it's Ghost in the Shell and Akira. Right. Those are the two. Totally. So, I mean, it's an opportunity. Tell me what you guys think. Obviously, this is a good uh, way to, you know, get your voice. This is a very debatable topic. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have any feedback, go ahead and write an email to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. We'd love to hear your feedback. That's it. All right. Uh, my freak out is Snapchat filters. Are you a Snapchat user? I am aware of Snapchat filters. I How can know. you not be? Because they're I mean, annoying as fuck. Yeah. You can <laughs> share them on every platform. Yeah. And ugh. just a, a general heads up to anybody who I'm friends with on Snapchat. If I'm going through the stories and I see that you're using a filter, I skip that one immediately. <laughs> I don't spend more than two seconds on it. Yeah. A Snapchat filter is like enabling the uncreative to do something with their Snapchat. That's all it feels like it is. Like I've used it to amuse children. Mm-hmm. I've never posted anything with a Snapchat filter. Mm-hmm. It just seems like the lowest common denominator form of entertainment for Snapchat. Yeah. Like Snapchat's already kind of down there. Mm-hmm. It's mildly amusing, yeah, uh, but not is I guess people love it, but not as great as a lot of the other social media out there. But 
Snapchat filters make me mental. The worst one was during Coachella when all the girls had that yes. flower headband. Yep. Like, I wanted to throw my phone away. Yeah. Because it was everywhere. Like, I'm not even on Snapchat. Yeah. It was all over Instagram, Facebook, everything. Like, just stop. Yeah. And they have the fucking bunny one, too. The bunny one that's like, it starts off cute and then gets all psycho. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck that one. (laughs) The problem is not even the filters themselves. The problem is that you see one person using and go, oh, that's creative or that's cute. But then 15 other people do the same one within like the same day. And you're like, well, I'm just friggin' sick of this already. I was sick of it by two or three. Yeah. And it just becomes it's mass production of nonsense. Yeah. It's like a Vine star will put one out. Yeah. And then like all of their followers will just start doing it. Now, if you if you can figure out how to use them in a creative way, good for you. I've seen people hold them up to their TVs. Oh, and yeah, while like yeah, a scene yeah, on yeah. TV's playing the certain people and that's funny. Yeah. That's pretty funny. But now again, if everyone was doing that, that then would also get annoying. Yeah, it's less good. If you yeah. can figure out a way to do it creatively, then that's wonderful. But if you're literally just holding it up to your face and just being like, hey, I'm a dog licking the screen. No. Nope. Yep. Stop nope. It. I skip it immediately. Stop. Stop now. Hey, Amazon users, if you'd like to help support the show, please go to thegeekgeneration.com and click on the Amazon button, which will bring you right to the Amazon homepage. If you make a purchase after using this link, you've helped the show by earning us a commission, and it won't cost you any extra money. Please use this link for all your future Amazon shopping. Hi, guys. I'm Eddie McClintock. I play Special Agent Pete Latimer on Sci-Fi's Warehouse 13, and you're listening to The Geek Generation. Peace! All right, let's get into some reviews. You have a video game this week. Yeah, and uh, it's called Dungeon of the Endless. Um, It's a game that we got here at The Geek Generation to review. Um, It's been out for a while, actually. I was surprised to find out. But I don't know if maybe this is like the Xbox One release of the game, but it's, uh, I did a full review. It's on thegeekgeneration.com. Um, it's a game that layers several sort of simple tasks into one sort of sandwich of frustration. Okay. If you will. <laughs> um, like it's a dungeon crawler, roguelike sort of tower defense elements integrated into it. It's, uh, it, the learning curve is fucking straight up once you start. Like, it's literally like you crash into this dungeon and you, the, the game gives you 12 levels to get through. And it does not tell you how to do a single fucking thing. Wow. Like, it just, it just, like, it crashes you in and then pop, you pop up on the screen. And like, you, for the first thing you notice is it's very like old school and it's like sort of eight or 16 bit aesthetic. The the music is very much evocative of that time period okay. too, sort of MIDI based a little bit, and like I said, I mean, it took me ten minutes to like figure out what exactly I was doing. Like the first room is very small, yeah. Like it's literally just your power source that you take from your crashed escape pod and you. And I'm I'm just like sitting there like what the fuck am I supposed to do? Because I couldn't like I found a door but I couldn't open it and I was just like walking around the room over and over again hmm. waiting for something to happen or waiting for something to pop up and then i finally figured it out after a little while that you know you need to progress to the next room by i think it was hitting a 
when you're near the door and I was just like mashing buttons for the longest time. Wow. Um, I get to the next room and I'm like, it's completely dark and I can't like, I can only see like the little corner that my character is in oh my like, goodness. Just a little bit. And like, I can't really figure out what's going on. And then like my health starts going down and I was like, what the fuck is happening? And I, I noticed like something is hitting me. And so I, I explore more of the room and all the while button mashing as I'm going. Right. Just in case, just because I don't know what I'm doing. And like, I see that my characters may be doing something like, you know, hitting or, you know, every time I'm not moving, it's sort of like, you know, the old school gaming where like you can't hit and move, you mm-hmm. just move and then hit. Like I would stop, hit and then move. And like I finally figured out that there was this torch that I had to light. This is very much the entire fucking game. Wow. Like finally at, at some that sounds point, like torture. It kind of is. <laughs> like it was like uh, in an era where, you know, every game has a sort of tutorial that you have to go mm-hmm. through. This game has none. Like, it literally tells you nothing about the game other than that you've crashed on this, like, planet of dungeon frustration. Like, <laughs> it's so hard. And, like, after after you get to the first level, things start to make a little bit more sense. Okay. Because it's, it's thematic in the way that it teaches you. Like, it said, like, there are certain elements that repeat themselves throughout the dungeons, but they will do so in different ways so that, you know, it's not programmed in your mind this is what i need to do for each level okay you encounter different combinations of things and then that's the way that you progress you try to find the next combination that's successful for you and then the next and the next and the next and it's there's no save points so if you die you're starting all the way over again wow so it's very much like fucking old school mario is it different when it starts over like is it procedurally generated or everything is random oh wow So it can completely change every level that you've progressed through but like I said, I mean, there are combinations that you learn of elements in the game that allow you to progress. So if that all sounded very complicated and didn't make a whole lot of sense, believe me, when you start playing this game, you will feel the exact same way. <laughs> um, but when you do, when you do surpass levels that you've never surpassed before, you do get a sense of accomplishment that you got from you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. we would play old school games that didn't have save points, that didn't have tutorials that were equally as frustrating. Um, so I think you can get it on just about every platform, or not every platform. You can get it on Steam and on Xbox One right now. I don't know if it's on PS4. And I don't It's it's pretty cheap um, from what I saw. OK. And uh, so if you like that sort of old school challenge. So wait, then based on your description, what is there to enjoy? It's the challenge. Okay. Um, like if you enjoy challenging situations and you like that sort of rush of accomplishment that you get at when you achieve something, mm-hmm. definitely worth a shot. Uh, if you don't like frustration, if you just want a game to play that will sort of zero you out, you know, so to speak, yeah, yeah. Like clear your mind, this is not the game for you. <laughs> okay. Do okay. not play this game after a long day at work, for example, because right. it will... You like I did it once and I fucking almost put my controller through my TV. I was so fucking pissed. Like it was a different side of me that came out after playing that game. But yeah, you know, I mean, I I reviewed it pretty well. I liked it. I will say this, though. Replayability, not one of the decide not should not be one of the deciding factors for you, because once you get to a certain point, you have less of a desire to. Okay. To finish the game. Like, I, I think the highest I got was nine levels. Okay. 
and I haven't touched it since. You're just like, yeah, that sounds good. Because it took a lot to get that yeah. get there, and it was just like, I mean, I have, I definitely have other things to do with my time, other things to consume. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, this, this, I may, I might revisit this at some point, but definitely not right now. Okay. Uh, my review is on a movie I saw recently. I believe it's either still out in theaters or just left recently as well, too. Uh, but it's also a movie that came out of nowhere, yeah. pretty much. Nobody knew this was happening, but for a movie of its scale, I can understand how it was filmed uh, kind of under the radar. 10 Cloverfield Lane. Don't worry, I won't get into any spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say a few things about it, though. It's um, If you're, you're someone who likes those kind of isolationist movies where uh, it's just a few characters in a very small space or a set location where they're not really venturing outside of that too much. This is kind of a movie for you. It's, it's driven by the performances of the characters within the movie, as well as the mystery surrounding it. Yeah. Now in preparation for this movie, I had never seen Cloverfield. Oh, okay. So I didn't know if there was going to be any kind of linking thing mm-hmm. to check out beforehand. So I watched it prior and it was, it was pretty good. It was interesting. It didn't end like I expected it to, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and, and going into 10 Cloverfield Lane, I was waiting for something to kind of connect it to that universe. And conceptually, I can say it's connected, but storyline-wise, probably not at all. Mm. So you do not need to see Cloverfield before seeing 10 Cloverfield Lane if the first one doesn't sound like it was something for you. Uh, what I think JJ might be doing is using the term Cloverfield to define a tone or a universe. Think about it like the Twilight Zone. Mm -hmm. Like you have the Twilight Zone. You know that there's a certain tone and a certain feel to those episodes, even though they're not connected. I feel like saying Cloverfield within the name of something now is kind of like defining a certain tone or a certain feel for a movie for JJ's stuff moving forward. It's like a micro genre, so to speak. Sure, sure, yeah. absolutely. So uh, in that sense, there's definitely other elements at play. I won't say a lot beyond that because I don't want to ruin any of the experience for the movie. If you don't know the premise, basically you have uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is the lead. You have John Goodman, who's fantastic in this movie. Uh, there's one other character who's in this like space with them. I forget who plays him, and I forget the name of the character. Mm-hmm. I saw it a little while ago. But basically, it's these three characters. Uh, it's a survivalist-type movie. So Mary Elizabeth Winstead starts the movie leaving her fiancé, who's not even home at the time. She just like leaves a ring there and takes off and goes for a drive, gets in a car accident, and wakes up in this bunker mm-hmm. with John Goodman's character. And throughout the movie, you see the more things revealed. They explore uh, more of why they're there. There's a threat of impending doom outside of the trailer, which you're constantly questioning if it's real or not. Mm-hmm. All these things are explored and answered. Uh, and in a, in a satisfying way, I think. There's a certain point in the movie where you might be like, what the fuck is going on? But yeah. that's typical Cloverfield fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say typical, even though there's one movie prior, <laughs> uh, but after this one, you'll understand that it's typical yeah. Cloverfield fair, but uh really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. it. It's definitely worth seeing. I think it, the, the announcement came like two weeks before the movie came out. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I listened to the, uh, the Nerdist episode where they talked to, I think it was Dan Trachtenberg 
and J.J. Uh, Abrams, mm-hmm. the people that are sort of responsible for this movie. Um, they spent a lot of the episode like talking to J.J. Abrams about like, oh, how did you balance this movie and Star Wars? Right. They were filming at the same time. And like, but I mean, Dan Trachtenberg, I mean, he sounds very enthusiastic about it. It made me want to see it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um I, I had other friends who had gone to see it who were maybe a little bit disappointed that it wasn't directly connected to the Cloverfield yeah, universe. Yeah, I wasn't disappointed at all. See, and that's part of the reason why my interest sort of waned. But now I'm a little more interested in seeing it now. But, I mean, I'm probably going to have to wait till it comes out on DVD. At this point, probably, yeah. Point. yeah. But I I like that method of storytelling, like the that, you know, that features the unknown pretty heavily. Yes. Um. And the idea that, at least from what I saw in the trailers, uh, the the male character who's also in there with them, that's not John Goodman, mm-hmm. he sort of has the opposite perspective, yes. I guess. Yeah. Because Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character was brought into it. Mm-hmm. He was trying to get into it. Right. From what I saw. Yes, you're right. And that sort of that dynamic between the two of them. And the fact that he was injured and she was sort of just, I mean, obviously she was in a car accident, but he was injured for some reason. And I don't know, because I didn't see the movie. So it's interesting to me to see what motivates these people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like I've heard, like John Goodman might be sort of not in the right state of mind, so to speak. He's a very interesting character. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a little bit more interested to see it now. Mm -hmm. And I like, too, the fact that. It popped up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was still successful from what I understand, mm-hmm. largely using the Cloverfield name and JJ being so prominent right now to yeah. certainly help that. Um, but I like how little I saw going in mm-hmm. for a movie about mystery. Yeah. Knowing so little about it was a huge asset. Mm-hmm. And I wish more movies were able to do that. Yeah. And I, I think. I mean, I don't know what the budget was like for this movie, but the idea that they were able to just make an announcement with doing very little press Mm -hmm. beforehand, it definitely benefited the movie. Yeah. I think it would definitely benefit a lot of movies, actually, if there was some way to, like, recoup that loss that you would get from, you know, not advertising as heavily going into it. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of movies would benefit from it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you need to build awareness. You don't need to necessarily show us all your footage in doing so. (laughs) You don't need to show us the movie in the process. Yeah. All right, let's do some news because it's been a few weeks. Uh, We have some catching up to do. First and foremost, the title and release date for Sony's upcoming solo Spider-Man has officially been announced. Spider-Man Homecoming will be released on July 7th, 2017. During the announcement, new Spidey actor Tom Holland told the crowd, quote, It really is a homecoming because throughout the movie... Peter is trying to find out who he is and where he belongs in this world. Also, Sony Pictures has announced that Iron Man himself, Robert Downey Jr., is set to appear in the upcoming film as Tony Stark. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige has already confirmed that there is potential for other Marvel characters to appear in the movie. From other things that I've read and other rumors that I've heard, there was a rumor for a while that Michael Keaton was in talks to play the villain. That is no longer uh, true. Those yeah. uh, He was in talks, but it just it didn't end up happening. Uh, also, it turns out that Marvel is in almost complete control, creative control yeah. of this movie instead of Sony, which I think is a very wise thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like the idea that uh, Spider-Man, is, we're getting a younger Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And that we're getting Iron Man as sort of like a mentor. Sure. I like that idea based on what I've seen from the Civil War footage that has come out so far with Spider-Man. 
I like that he's very sort of young and impressed by other superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you didn't see it recently, but I mean, they released a TV spot where like it, it's, it's very smart the way they do it. Like they yeah. feature Spider-Man's sort of power level, but they also f- like feature his childlike, like, uh, excitement for superheroes. Okay. Cool. Cause, uh, he, like, uh, Winter Soldier throws a punch and mm-hmm. Spider-Man handily catches it and sort of almost like throws it aside and is like, you have a metal arm? That's so cool. <laughs> like, uh, I like that spider-man like you know very young and right sort of ambitious and right. excitable not like a world weary spider-man like you know maybe some of the other actors have portrayed him but, i agree um yeah the title isn't great but i understand it i mean it's a spider-man in high school it could very well be centered around homecoming time yeah so it's a dual meaning and i totally understand and support the title even mm-hmm. if it seemed a little strange at first yeah it makes sense i wonder if with you know, Iron Man being featured in the movie that at some point maybe we'll see like Iron Spider from uh, the animated series. I have those thoughts, too. I don't know if it would be in this movie. Yeah. But eventually that would be awesome. That'd be fucking sweet. Yeah. Netflix has ordered a full first season of Marvel's The Punisher. Speaking yeah. of it, uh, continuing their unprecedented collaboration with Marvel Television. John Bernthal will reprise his role as Frank Castle, introduced to fans earlier this year in the mm-hmm. second season of Marvel's Daredevil. No targeted release date has yet been revealed. Are you surprised at all by this? No. Nor am I. I mean, John Bernthal did such a great job as the Punisher. He was wonderful, yeah. I think they would be remiss if they didn't put together like a Punisher Completely agree. series. And I think it'll give fans that, like we were saying, mm-hmm. wanted to see more of the Punisher. Yeah. I wonder if that was even a purposeful move. Maybe. To say, well, let's kind of throw him out there a little bit, but we're going to leave a lot to be desired. Yeah. And then that'll support getting him his own series. Because, I mean, yeah, the end of Daredevil season two was like, finally, he's the Punisher. Wait. (laughs) It's over. Come back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I want to see more. I'm down for this. I love it. The BBC has revealed the new Doctor Who companion, actress Pearl Mackey as Bill. Mackie said of the announcement, quote, I'm incredibly excited to be joining the Doctor Who family. It's such an extraordinary British institution. I couldn't be prouder to call the TARDIS my home. Peter Capaldi is such a brilliant actor and his doctor is such a wacky and wonderful character. I can't wait to see what adventures are in store for him and Bill throughout time and space. The next series of Doctor Who won't hit TV until 2017, though a new Christmas special will air this year. I don't know. Doctor Who. Yeah, I know. It's not really. It's over my head. Not really. Um, I did watch the clip that they released, just kind of the introductory clip. Mm -hmm. I know they keep doing this. Like they announced who the companion would be when Jenna Coleman came in. They Uh announced who the new doctor would be. They've announced the new companion, even though we're not getting them to 2017. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish they would stop announcing stuff. Mm. I think it'd be a lot more exciting to see some things like if she's not going to be in the Christmas special, which maybe she is, maybe she won't. Uh, if she, regardless, when she shows up and be like, Hey, there's the new companion instead of being like, Oh, I wonder if this character is going to end up the companion or this yeah. character is going to end up like it takes away a part of that for the, the experience. It just takes away a little bit. So. Is that something that they do with Dr. Who? Like if they, have they done it traditionally? Like they always announce the new doctor. I don't know. Uh, because I've only been like a, a converted Whovian as of the last few years, mm-hmm. I've I've really only seen the announcements or paid attention to the announcements for mm. the last few that I mentioned. Okay. Uh, but maybe it is. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, like I wouldn't want to know when the doctor's going to regenerate. That's a huge thing. Yeah. 
to be surprised by that in the show yeah would be awesome that's kind of a big deal yeah like, i mean it is sort of a turning point for the plot even to yeah have your your main character you know change in that way but right it just seems like from a storytelling perspective you would want it to be a surprise but yeah totally but i did watch the clip of her she is kind of annoying already right, right away uh i'm hoping that's just them finding their footing and chemistry together what's the annoying part of her she just won't stop asking questions or talking or um, like it's like shut up <laughs> uh, yeah but uh, they could it just could be the early introduction like she sees a dalek she's like what's that like they're being hunted to be killed and she's like dur, 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 dur. like um, too goofy about it yeah be like be a little scared a little yeah. bit Come on. I mean, I don't watch Doctor Who, but even to me, that seems a little questionable. Yeah. It's just like she's a cartoon character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens, though. I could be judging. <laughs> we never judge early. <laughs> ever. Uh, Academy Award winner Alicia Vikander has signed on to play Lara Croft in the upcoming Tomb Raider reboot. Norwegian filmmaker Roar Uthog. Wow. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Good name on you, sir. Uh, Norwegian filmmaker Roar Uthog will direct the film, which has a script by Transformers 5 scribe, Neva <laughs> Robertson. Well, I don't know if that's a credit you um, want to associate with your name. Yeah, like, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hope she's done some better stuff. Because <laughs> that, yeah, like that is not going, hey, I can't wait for the new Tomb Raider. Yeah. Uh, it, this also came out of nowhere, too, because it was rumored for a while that Daisy uh -huh. Ridley was in talks for it. And I'm actually... I like Daisy Ridley a lot. I'm glad she didn't get this mm. in the sense that she's already a hugely iconic, already iconic female yeah. character in a major franchise to do another one and have those be your only two major credits right mm -hmm. now is disconcerting. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's a yeah. little much. I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about casting or, you know, people in Hollywood, mm -hmm. but I can imagine how if you played, two very iconic characters from two very well-known franchises, how that can be confusing in terms of your brand. And with a lot of similarities. Yeah. Like British female, strong protagonist. Right. With like highly skilled operator sort of thing. Like it's mm -hmm. uh, like, what are you using today? Guns or lightsabers? Right. Like, right. Right. Yeah. But, but Alicia Vikander is a wonderful actress. Yeah. Very talented. So I'm excited to see where they're going to take this franchise even if I'm not super excited by the person writing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet you are excited about Roar Uthog. Oh, damn right I am. How could you not be? <laughs> the dude fucking kills bears for a living. <laughs> uh, Nintendo has announced that the company's next video game system codenamed Nintendo NX is set to arrive on March 27th, 2017. Rumors have included a console handheld hybrid, a system more powerful than the PS4 and Xbox One, and a console with a bizarre touchscreen controller based on Nintendo's patents. All that's known for sure is that Nintendo needs to deliver something impressive to stay relevant in the console race. The company also announced that its upcoming Legend of Zelda remake has been delayed. The open world title will now arrive in 2017 simultaneously on the Wii U and Nintendo NX, and will be the focus of Nintendo's presence at E3. Uh, slow clap for Nintendo. I mean, I know we have some people at the Geek Generation that are enthusiastic Damn about man. Nintendo. <laughs> um, but, you know, the fact that they are like sort of two or three years removed from the sort of general console cycle yeah. 
I mean, the fact that it's more powerful than the Xbox One or the PS4, uh, good. I hope so, <laughs> because you're two years behind. And they're um, floundering a little bit in general. I just read an article the other day that the PSN, not all of PlayStation, yeah, PSN itself is making more than all of Nintendo. Yeah, and weren't they focused more on like mobile gaming, too, and not necessarily the consoles? Yeah, and, and 3DS was like their biggest thing. The yeah. Wii U is, even though a lot of people are enjoying it, the Wii U is being looked at as a bit of a failure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know some people that do have it, but they don't play it with any frequency. No, they're it's not, a financial like, failure for sure. Yeah, they're not going out there finding games for it. It's like, oh. I mean, I hope I hope that this new weird controller is somehow in innovation and not just a gimmick. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I don't know. I mean, I would love to see something good from Nintendo, but it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen, at least in terms of platform gaming. Yeah. They are doing something similar, though. I believe it was a Zelda game that was originally delayed to uh, release the Wii U. Mm -hmm. And now this Legend of Zelda game, this open world Legend of Zelda game is going to be delayed. They said for quality reasons as well. Yeah. But it will also launch the NX uh, alongside as having a Wii U version of it, which I think is always a mistake. Mm -hmm. If you're going to make a version for the prior console then you're already discouraging people from buying the new one. Yeah. And you're probably taking away some of the quality of the game because if you're going to make something that much more powerful, yeah. to have it straddle those two lines yeah. is very strange. Yeah. Warner Brothers has adjusted their upcoming DC movie release schedule, moving Wonder Woman up from June 23rd, 2017 to June 2nd, 2017. The shift pulls the film away from the release of Transformers 5, instead putting it in competition with Bad Boys 3. The studio has also added two currently untitled movies for October 5th, 2018 and November 1st, 2019. <laughs> Transformers works. 5 popping up again, right? I mean... I guess in a global market, you wouldn't want to go up against Transformers because they do. They well do very well internationally. Internationally. Yeah. But <laughs> it's like you're going up against Bad Boys 3 instead of Transformers. That is purely a business decision. Absolutely. Because, I mean, I, I can't imagine. I hope Wonder Woman is not as bad as either of those movies. <laughs> as much as I enjoy the Bad Boys franchise, that is like my go-to 90s action movie, Bad yeah, Boys. It's a great movie. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that they're making another one when Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are both just so old. Yeah. Um, well, we're getting more Indiana Jones, so, you know, it's never too late. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's innovations in healthcare, so that's right. we're going to have them around for a while. <laughs> Creed star Tessa Thompson is set to join Thor Ragnarok as both a female hero in the film and Chris Hemsworth's new love interest. While Natalie Portman's Jane Foster has previously been the object of Thor's affection in the franchise, the actress will not be returning for this film. There's currently no word as to who Thompson will be portraying, although it's being said that her hero could possibly transition into other Marvel films. So I'm glad to hear that when I first saw that she was going to be in it, Natalie Portman wouldn't be. I was like, oh, are they changing the actress for Jane Foster? Because I hate when they do that. Yeah. But I'm glad to see that it's just another character. Mm -hmm. It also kind of supports the theory that Thor Ragnarok is going to be off world. It's not yeah. going to be anywhere near Earth. Yeah. So having Jane not present actually makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they said that this is like the Thor Ragnarok is going to kind of be the Hulk and Thor's buddy road trip comedy action movie mm -hmm. so to speak and uh i think tessa thompson was rumored 
to be playing Valkyrie, who I think in right, the comics right. is a love interest of Thor. So that makes sense. Um, what happened to Lady Sif? Like, you know, why are you stepping out on Lady Sif? Right, Thor? right. Like, you know, like she's like thirsty for your affection, but you're just going <laughs> off. Oh, she's world. thirsty for some. Yeah. I mean, what, what's wrong with Lady Sif? I mean, come on. Ain't nothing wrong with Lady Sif. Nothing. <laughs> Marvel Entertainment has announced that Freeform, formerly ABC Family, what a horrible name change for a network. Yeah, Did you know that? about that? No. Yeah, what they is that? they changed ABC Family to Freeform. Why? I don't know. Maybe because they just want to be able to not be limited to family television. Okay. I think they were kind of doing the Disney thing where they're like stretching their age range oh, okay. or those people that were uh, fans of ABC Family are now growing up uh, right, right, and they want right. to grow up with them. But... Welcome to our new adult platform, yeah. Freeform. You think they would call like ABC Freeform and keep the branding, yeah, at least, so yeah. people know the consistency between the two networks. But no, just toss yeah. it right out. Yeah. So Marvel Entertainment has announced that Freeform has issued a series order for Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, a new series based on the superhero duo, which is being described as a superhero love story. The series will focus on Tandy Bowen and Tyrone Johnson, the eponymous Cloak and Dagger as they learn to use their newly acquired superpowers while also falling in love with each other. Cloak is capable of teleportation through the Dimension of Darkness, but can also leave foes stranded in the other world as well. Dagger has the ability to create light daggers with her mind, which she can control as well. Her daggers are capable of either drawing life from their targets or healing them. These are not hugely known characters in the Marvel Universe. My first major exposure to them was uh, Maximum Carnage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Super Nintendo game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of my big, like, breakout. Hey, who are these people? They're cool. And they always kind of work together because their powers do actually, they're, like, interconnected. Yeah. And there are certain things they can only do when they're together. I thought this was interesting news to hear, especially now, uh, because I had talked previously when we did our Jessica Jones episode Mm -hmm. about that TV, the Marvel TV presentation at New York York Comic Con in, like, 2011, Mm -hmm. where uh, Jeff Loeb talked about the Jessica Jones or the AKA Jessica Jones, as it was titled at the time, potentially coming to ABC cloak and dagger was another TV show that they talked about at that time. Mm -hmm. So this just shows like how development can put things on the back burner for a while. It's been five years since they originally announced a form of cloak and dagger being in development. And now we're finally getting one on a form of an ABC channel, just not the one they intended. I remember cloak and dagger from like, the 90s comedy boom or not comedy boom the 90s comic <laughs> boom oh cloaks <laughs> up on that stage with the brick wall behind him and daggers just da, 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 da. doing his five minutes and failing miserably yep no but uh yeah during the comic boom of like the 90s i remember cloak and dagger popping up in a number of like spider-man related uh titles sure and uh now because i mean i watch it with my son but on netflix they have uh ultimate spider-man the animated series mm. and cloak and dagger are a part of it okay like the the Junior Avengers or Web Warriors. I forget what the name of their team is, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like it's, they're, they're, I guess they're in, they're connected mentally too. Like they can sense when each mm-hmm. other is nearby and like Cloak's power is very much just like, let me pick this up and put it over here. Let right, me pick this right. up and put it over there. Let me pick this up and put it somewhere real far away. Yeah. Like that's kind of like his power. And like Dagger's one is just like, throwing light darts <laughs> like it's not very like it's very dazzler yeah it's kind of like oh great pew pew yeah <laughs> basically it's like the pew pew version of yeah. like, an actual superhero but i mean you know hell was, it's still a power i'd take yeah <laughs> pew, pew, pew. drain life out of people yeah totally great. 
Uh, after initial rumors, it's now been confirmed that Charlize Theron will be playing the villain in the upcoming Fast 8. Oh, I love me some Fast 8. Set for an April 14th, 2017 release, Fast 8 will be the first of a new trilogy of Fast and Furious movies, with the ninth to be released in 2019 and the 10th in 2021. Have they just made it so that no other movie can use the word furious or fast within it? Because they, like, alternate their titles yeah. as to which words they're using. If you were to look at the, like, title list of Fast mm-hmm. and the Furious movies, it's so confusing. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I, I just like the idea that they're bringing these, like, bigger names into the franchise and, like, sort of branching it out. Because I love me some Fast mm. and or Furious. <laughs> and, like, if you follow The Rock on Instagram, like, he, like I think he started, he's starting to train for Fast 8. Right, right. Because he's wrapping up on Baywatch. So he's, like, bulking up to be Hobbs again. Mm. That's some bitch. I think it's kind of the, the franchise where people go, I want to have some fun. Yeah. Let's go into the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, absolutely. I just want mindless explosions and violence. Yep. That is not the Transformers. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. Yep. Uh, system update 3.50 has arrived for the PlayStation 4, and with it, many new features. The biggest feature added is remote play, allowing gamers to stream their PS4 games right to their PC or Mac. Also included is the ability to schedule events, get notifications when friends are online, and hide your online status. So you've probably updated at this point because it requires you to do so to go online. Mm-hmm. But uh, just know that those features are there. I have used the remote play very briefly, and it, it works pretty well. There's mm-hmm. a slight delay. If you're uh, someone who's playing like a fighting game, uh-huh. it's going to be frustrating because yeah. that's where it really matters. But I can see using it in uh, different situations to still make it work. And it also enables a PS4 controller on a computer. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So you can use your DualShock 4 with your computer, even though you're, I think, technically still using it with your PlayStation. Like the signals bouncing right, to the PlayStation. Right. And, yeah. But well, still cool. I mean, this is functionality that xbox had i think yes. already yeah yeah totally and so it makes sense for them to bring it to ps4 they would have had to catch up yeah. eventually following word earlier this month that suicide squad director david Ayer's bright movie landed leading men in joel egerton and will smith deadline brings word that the max landis scripted fantasy cop feature has found a home at netflix the streaming service is making the bright movie their biggest project to date setting aside 90 million dollars for it like into Air's own end of watch, the movie takes place in a fantasy realm and follows an orc cop. Plans call for Bright to go into production this fall. <laughs> when I read this, I was like, oh, my God, it's like World of Warcraft meets like end of watch. Like, yeah, that's like what it sounds like. The gritty orc cop and like his troll partner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see an orc going, I'm getting too old or too whatever for this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I'm interested to see it because it's going to be on Netflix. So I love a good outlandish idea. Yeah. As long as it delivers, I'm in. Uh, lastly, USA Network has announced that the 10 episode season two of Mr. Robot will premiere on Wednesday, July 13th at 10, 9 central. Yes. Dude, Mr. Robot. I think didn't they just win a Peabody Award? I think so. Crazy. Yeah. Mr. Robot's friggin great. Yeah. And so like, good. You can't find it anywhere. Like, at least I can't find you anywhere like on a streaming service. Oh, no. Like I looked on like we still have Comcast. So I looked on Comcast. Uh, on demand to see mm-hmm. if I could find it like under USA or anything. Not there. I think the Blu-ray is on the way. Isn't it's it's streaming somewhere exclusively. I don't remember where, 
but um, that was the result of my search. Like I was looking for it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I think I asked somebody to look Maybe for it like on Amazon. Hulu, Hulu. I don't know. Something. Yeah, I don't know where it is, but yeah. I can't find it because I did want to watch it, and then it sort of went away after a while. Ah, uh, okay. So I have to find it somehow. But yeah, a Peabody Award—that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. Looking forward to it. Hell yeah. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there. So final thought or something you would like to plug? Um, nothing to plug. You know, support the Geek Generation any way you can. Send us an email, right? An iTunes review. Yes. Um, hopefully it's positive, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. You know, go to thegeekgeneration.com, follow the support link, do whatever you can to support us because we appreciate it and we need it. <laughs> do things with us. Yay. Contribute. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from you. For everything else we do, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can like us at facebook.com slash thegeekgeneration and follow at geekgeneration on Twitter. You can watch live podcasts and gaming at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel. Support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Send those emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back soon with more geeky stuff for you, and we will see you then. Later. Make it so.